0: privilege of being one of the pastors here, uh, and also give you a big welcome. Uh, Thanks for joining us on Christmas Eve, and Merry Christmas to everybody here. Um, Well, I don't know what your favorite thing is at this time of the year, but uh, for me, one of my favorite parts uh, of, not really Christmas, I guess, but it's just the end of the year is all the lists that come out, lists and like, um, you know, I like to watch a lot of sports, so highlights of the year, these types of things. And uh, some of my favorite lists of the year are already out, so I've got them up here for you. The first is I like to read a lot, so NPR Book Concierge. If anybody likes reading, this is a really, really great place to go. They uh, all these categories on the left, you can you can sort by them, and you'll find a book for you or someone that you love, no matter who you are or what you like to do. So this is something that I try to read somewhat through. It's thousands of books, so I try to read through a few of them every year. The second thing is I also read and listen to uh, the Pitchfork year-end. They have a couple different lists of of music that they have, so the best songs of the year and best albums of the year, so I'll read those and listen to them. And then um, also our Apple, I, I don't know what streaming service you're with, but we're with Apple uh, streaming service. I'm told because we're old and uh, young people are with Spotify. But whether you're Spotify or Apple, um, you, you have these like year-end replays. And mine, uh, one of the things about becoming a parent, if you're not a parent, uh, is that these things get broken for you. Because mine is like, oh, I don't think I listened to Ariana Grande that much. But it's because my kids just use mine. And uh, so it doesn't really reflect what I've listened to throughout the year. But it's still one of those things that's fun to check out. And then finally, I, I always take a look at this, uh, Christianity Today's Books of the Year. Uh, so it's an American website, uh, but uh, there's always some interesting books that kind of guide a lot of different people uh, throughout the year. So uh, I'll just mention three in case you're looking for something to read this this Christmas. The first one is just a, a, a shameless shout-out. It's a friend of mine who wrote a book who made the list, so I felt very excited, like somebody I personally knew wrote a book who made it on the list. Um, the second one is supposedly the Book of the Year, and I think, I don't know all of the people people here, but I know the people who attend our community. And I would say this, it says Overcoming Apathy, the Gospel Hope for Those Who Struggle to Care. I mean, if there if there's a more Vancouver book about God, I don't really know what it is. So I have not read this book, but I give it my full endorsement. And then um, this uh, book on the right, Justin Early, we, we talk about rule of life here, which is habits and practices that help shape us into the people that God is calling us to become. And when we did that first series on uh, the Rule of Life, we used Justin Early's other book, and this is the one that he's just written. So if you are, it's, it's about a family. What are your habits and practices of your household that shape all of you into people that become like Jesus? So uh, again, uh, I, I've not read that book. I'm looking, hoping to read it over Christmas, but I'll endorse it once again. Uh, he's a good person. So, uh, but for me, the most influential book of the year that I've read, and this is just my personal uh, book, is, is this one. It's called The Uncontrollability of the World by a German sociologist named Hartmut Rosa. Now, don't worry, we're not going to... This is not a Sociology 101 class. I just want to talk about one idea from his book that I think uh, is relevant to Christmas and it's also relevant just to the past week that we've had. Because he uses the central metaphor of his book is actually the one that's on the... You can kind of tell from the cover. uh, It's snow. How many of you knew that was snow? I have a friend who had this book, and then it was like three months later, and he's like, oh, I totally didn't get that that was snow. It's kind of hard to tell. But obviously, in this past week, we've had a lot of different snow issues in Vancouver. And um, he talks about this idea and how how it, it relates to the uncontrollability of the world. And he says snow is possibly the purest manifestation of uncontrollability in our world. Because it comes when it wants, and it leaves when it wants. If you take snow, if you're to gather some of it up, if there's any left outside, and you were to put it in your hand, you can't hold on to it for very long, it'll melt. And all of us know this from being little kids. If you if you are at a place with snow, you make a snowball, you have nobody to throw it at, so you take it inside, you put it in the freezer, and what happens? It turns into ice and you throw that snowball at someone and an ambulance comes. So don't do that if that's you, if you're hoping, if you're like, my neighbor wasn't here during all the snow. Um, And a lot of us would have loved to have had a white Christmas this year. It's kind of one of these things that are linked together, snow and Christmas. But of course, the snow didn't respond. And possibly by tomorrow morning, there would be no snow left. If we could have, we would have delayed it just for a few more days to have that magical moment when you wake up on Christmas morning and see all the snow. But it shows that we're, we're not in control. And um, some of us, we could, we could take control of the snow. We could buy some snowmakers. But you, we'd all know it's not quite the same. And anyone who does snow sports, specifically, you'd know if you went up on the mountain and they had created snow, it's not quite the same as if it's real snow. I watched Home Alone with our kids a couple days ago, and the thing that kept ringing through my head as like a grumpy older person now is like, all that snow is fake. I can tell. <laughs> i just watching the show. It's not even high def. I was like, I know that snow is not real. It's not the same. And the uncontrollability of snow is both good for us and, and bad for us. So on one hand, it's majorly inconvenient, right, especially in Vancouver, where we were like, oh no, it snowed again? What happened? No one was prepared. Um, and so for many of us, uh, prob- maybe some of us in this room, but I know a lot of people in our congregation, we have people who are just stuck at the airport, people whose travel plans were completely broken, uh, who went to the airport, stayed there for a really long time, were sitting on planes, um, and our plans were all changed in inconvenienced by the snow. Um, Maybe for some of you, I've heard that you had party plans or plans to go visit family, even locally this, this week, and you weren't able to do it because of the snow, so all your plans had changed. In our family, our pipes froze at our house, We're leaving tomorrow morning, hopefully at 6 a.m., to go to Alberta, uh, where they're just like, your pipes froze. It was like minus two, what's going on? Um, But our pipes froze, which is a major inconvenience to our family. Um, And uh, snow is just inconvenience for all of us, especially in Vancouver, because it won't bow to our timelines or our desires. And even those of us who try to ignore that it snowed, it doesn't really work out so well. We can't ignore the inconvenience of the snow. Let me just show you, I don't know if, if you've seen this video, it went viral, but this is a person driving, trying to drive in the snow. Go ahead. It's it Aston Martin, by the way? I can't really tell. Uh, it says that We're happy tonight walking in a winter wonderland Basically, it his tires are just spinning. Even if you want to pretend that the snow is not going to inconvenience you, no matter how much money you have, no matter where you are, snow is uncontrollable, and that's the whole point. And I had a lot of good schadenfreude watching this video being would like, haha, you can afford an Aston Martin, but you can't even get two kilometers down the road. Um, and so th- this idea of uncontrollability is bad for us, but it's also really good for us or beautiful for us. It speaks to us. Snow does. And how many of us woke up on that first morning of snow, and maybe we saw something like, like this uh, outside of our windows? And, and the whole world was just blanketed in white. And it had snowed, I don't know if you remember, earlier this week, just a lot of snow overnight, and it became pure white outside. And that first moment when you look outside the windows, there's that, that moment where it just speaks to you, where it's almost like transcendent, where you feel transported to a different place. And uh, it's beautiful and enchanting. And this German sociologist Hartmut Rosa, he, he calls that experience, that moment when you have something that just speaks to you like snow, he calls this resonance that we feel spoken to by the world or by something greater than ourselves, and we feel part of a bigger story in the world. And Rosa says that one of the biggest reasons that we don't experience resonance as Western people is because of our desire to control the world. That these things work against each other, that modern life he says it 's characterized by a hope and a desire to make things visible, to make them accessible, to make them manageable, and to make them useful and Of course that 's brought a lot of great positives to our world. We can cure many forms of cancer. We can go home and binge Netflix for the rest of the holidays if we want to. If your water is out at your house like it was at ours, you can order DoorDash tonight and it will come, hopefully, to your house. We can send planes in the air where we can go visit people from all, all around the world and they can come to visit us. But it comes at a cost, he would say. And for him, the cost is this idea of resonance, that things don't speak to us in the same way. So instead of the world feeling alive or feeling like it's speaking to us, what our desire to control the world does is it deadens the world. And it becomes a place that's quiet. So what does this have to do with Christmas? And what does this have to do with the passage that we just read about Simeon? Well, I think one of the biggest reasons that Christmas is something that's exciting for us is because it holds out this possibility for resonance for us. Maybe it's the hope of a winter wonderland. We're going back to Alberta and there will be snow. And it's this, this exciting idea for our kids of going to play in the snow, that there's going to be snow everywhere. Maybe it's the idea of presents. Lots of you guys here, your kids, you're excited about opening up some presents, maybe later today, maybe tomorrow, if you open them tomorrow. And I gave your kids the idea that they might be able to open them today. I apologize greatly to that for you. Um, maybe for some of you, it's about seeing family that you haven't seen in a really long time. Maybe for some of you, there's nostalgia from Christmas's past, where you're like, oh, I really, really love Christmas because of all these great things that happened when I was a kid. And, and for some of us in this room, I'm sure that there's also some resonance because we are going to celebrate what we've been singing and talking about, which is that 2,000 years ago, God came into our world. But this, this promise of resonance is also the problem for us, I think, at Christmas, because it can feel very empty. Maybe it's because the moment that Christmas is over, you know for you there's just more things to plan. Maybe the moment the service is over, you need to go plan and do something at home. And the moment that that's over tomorrow, all the wrapping of gifts, you've got to plan for Boxing Day shopping, and then you've got to plan for this and that and the other thing. And so it loses its resonance. There's too many things to plan and to execute on. Maybe for you, it's because the giving and receiving of, of gifts is no longer a resonant experience, but it becomes a competition. That my gifts this year need to top this other person's gift. Or the gift that I gave last year or gave or received last year. And Rosa says that what happens when we try to control the world is is this this exact thing happens. It turns into competition. And our world actually becomes a a point of aggression to us. These things that are resonant, they actually become things of aggression to us. Or maybe for you, the the reason that there's not resonance around Christmas is because we come to celebrate this God who supposedly showed up 2,000 years ago. But in your own personal life, you're like, I don't feel or think that at all. That's not my experience. In fact, what I experience when it comes to God is a mass of emptiness. And one of the things I love about the character that uh, Ray and Mayan read about, Simeon, is that he's very evidently a person who's having a resonant experience. He's fully emotionally engaged. He bursts out in a song or a poem and he, is, he says that his life is complete and meaningful. I, th- I think that would be an amazing thing for any of us to be able to say. So what can we learn from him that might allow us some resonance at Christmas? And, and beyond that, I think, just in life. So I just want to mention two things really quickly. The first thing that Simeon can teach us about finding resonance in Christmas and at our, in our lives is that Simeon knows how to wait. Simeon knows how to wait. We're not sure how old this guy is, Simeon. Uh, But it says that he's been waiting his whole life to meet Jesus. And it doesn't really matter. As I was preparing, I was realizing, well, even if he was 40 or 50 or 60, he's been waiting for so much longer. But I don't think it matters if we're 5 or if we're 105 in this room. We all know what it is like to wait. And we all know that that's not an experience that's very enjoyable. In fact, I would say waiting and boredom are two of the biggest sins of the 21st century. Those are the things we avoid at all costs, the things that we hate because they show us that we're not in control of our world. But when it comes to God and when it comes to resonance, waiting, learning to wait is a very integral thing because the God of the Bible is not someone that we can control. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus is coming as God himself to make himself available and to make himself reachable, that God is available and reachable to us. But God never becomes manageable or just useful to us. Those categories don't work when it comes to the God of the Bible. And Simeon, this character, understands that in a way that we don't, as modern people, because he's learned to wait. So, for those of you who are younger here, whether you're a little, little kid or you're a big kid, Many of you are, this moment right now is just a moment of waiting. Whether you're just like, I just can't wait for this to be done so that I can leave and go do whatever I want or run around or we can go to the next thing that we have to do or that I can finally get to presence or whatever it is. Um, this, this moment that we're in right now, this moment of waiting, where we come together and even waiting for this servant, sermon or this service to be done is a moment of spiritual practice. That's what we call it in our community, where we learn to wait together. So this is actually the quietest Christmas Eve service we've had ever in this building. So kids, you guys are doing really, really well. You're doing, you're spiritually disciplining yourself to wait. And that's how we learn in this community to love God and love our neighbor, is by learning to wait. And so thank you for doing that. Hold on just a few minutes longer. And for the rest of us who probably more fall in the big kid category, maybe for us it's not like, oh, I can't wait for what's under the Christmas tree for me at home. But there are waiting periods that we all have in our lives. Maybe you're waiting to hear back from the doctor about a diagnosis or a diagnosis for someone that you love. Maybe you're waiting for somebody to show up in your life that will will come and be a partner to you in life, or just maybe say some words over you that you are loved, that you are valuable, that, that you're seen in the world. Maybe you're waiting for a job, career change. Maybe you're just feeling sort of aimless. Maybe you're like us, feeling like we just want waiting for rest. Will there be some rest that arrives? And I, I encourage you with these words, that the God, the God of the Bible and the story of the Bible, God's presence is always preceded by absence. Or maybe stated another way, resonance, this desire that we have, this thing that we want, always comes in the Bible after learning how to wait. There's a period of learning how to wait, and then God arrives. And in this waiting time, it's where we learn to cry out. It's where we learn to long. It's where we learn to hope in something beyond just our life circumstances. That we watch and we wait in that period to see if the God who is God will show up. And I hope that, that this, this season, whatever that looks like for you, that you can gain some encouragement from both Simeon's story and from that truth. That maybe if you're in a season of waiting, that God will show up. We can never control when, but that we learn to wait and we watch in these moments, and I, and I hope and pray that if you're part of this community or any other faith community, that you can find a group of people who can help you to watch and wait. So Simeon knows what it's like to wait, and then finally Simeon knows what it's like to celebrate when the God who is God does finally show up. And the celebration of Christmas is the celebration that God did show up after this long, long period of waiting God showed up in Jesus in a way that nobody expected to a family nobody would have chosen in a time that was very, very inconvenient. And yet, Simeon and every character in the story that, that Luke presents, that we've been looking at over our Advent series, every character, Simeon, Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, the angels, all of them um, break out in song. And they worship. They lift up praise because they've been waiting, and now they learn how to celebrate. And they're celebrating, namely, that they're not the center of the story, but that God has arrived and that his presence in here, that I'm not in control but there is a God who is and that there is a God who comes and invites me into his story. And Simeon says this God is the Savior and the light of the world. And the angels say that there is a baby who has come who is the Messiah and the Lord. And Mary says that there is a God who saves and he will lift up the lowly, those who are in a period of waiting, that there is a God who is coming to bring celebration. And so Christmas is this dance, and I invite you into that. Maybe you're in a season of celebration. And, of course, this is a time where we celebrate that Jesus has come, and there's loads of things to celebrate. Or maybe you find yourself in a time of waiting. And Christmas is this dance that we have in between the two of learning how to wait for the arrival of God and these moments of resonance. Let's pray as we close. Creator, we thank you so much for the snow. We thank you that it teaches us that ultimately we're not in control of our stories or of the world. And thank you for how it teaches us to wait. And I pray for all of those here today who find themselves in a season of waiting. Would you meet them in that time? Would you teach them how to wait and yearn and long for your presence? And as we leave this place and celebrate that you, the light of the world, have come, may you also help us to continue to grow in the fruit of patience and to learn and watch and wait for you to arrive. We thank you that you have come. We celebrate that today, and we also yearn for you to come again. So we we end by saying, come, Jesus. Come again. Amen.